Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. I'm Heather Klug, registered dietitian with the Karen Yantz Cardiac Awareness Center. Last week, I spoke with guest Mike Rupsch, a licensed professional counselor and licensed clinical social worker. He shared his knowledge on resilience, what it is, what it isn't, and how being resilient improves our health, including our heart health. We also talked about the first two types of resilience, physical and mental resilience, and how to build more of this into our daily lives. Today's episode continues our discussion of the remaining three types of resilience, along with resources on resilience in case you'd like to learn more about this topic. So let's dive right in. Mike, we've talked about physical and mental resilience so far. The third type of resilience is emotional resilience. Please share with our listeners what that is and tips for being more emotionally resilient. Emotional resilience is all about feeling good feelings and creating happiness. Now, emotional resilience is sort of the fuel of happiness. Emotions are the fuel of happiness. The science shows that we need optimally, to be optimally resilient and to build our happiness, we need to feel three positive emotions for every negative emotion throughout the day. Mm. And don't worry, I would imagine the people who are listening to this are emotionally resilient people. If you're seeking out this kind of information, you probably are already there. And I'm, I'm glad you're listening. Emotional resilience, just about creating positive emotions, three to one. And the good news is that it's not big emotions that are most effective. Like I'm thinking about, I'm about to leave for the airport to go on a trip that I've been planning for six months. Well, that's a great one, right? And that yeah. certainly counts. But the little emotions using the trip as an example, the little emotions that occurred all through your preparation for the trip, planning for the trip, just deciding to go, packing, and all the times that the trip popped into your mind and you felt good, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. positive emotions. Now, positive emotions can be triggered by what other people do, what other people say, and they can be a result of what we observe, like when we watch a funny TV show. But they're also things that we can create on purpose. We can create positive emotions by practicing gratitude. Mm -hmm. A lot of the science on gratitude shows increased health benefits if we do it on a regular basis. You know, whether that's write down three things that we're grateful for, connect with somebody we care about and express our gratitude to them, mm -hmm. write for five minutes about something good that happened to you during the day. Those are all examples. I think of it more as a grateful state of mind that our gratitude is never far from our thought process. That, And sometimes people have to make themselves do that at first. But that habit, some of the science shows that two weeks, takes about two weeks or a little more than two weeks, 20 days to create a habit. And so if you make yourself practice gratitude every day, within 20 days, it'll become a habit. Okay. Other ways to create positive emotions is to smile. Smiling is a secret weapon of happiness and emotional resilience. Here's what I know about smiling from my own personal experience and my own personal study. So it's both study and practice. When we smile for no reason, that is, we simply activate our smile muscles, 
our happy brain turns on. That is the part of our brain that regulates happiness or that lights up when we're feeling happy. It turns on. So what does that mean? That means we can turn on our happiness simply by activating our smile muscles. You don't have to think happy thoughts. Really? You don't have to think happy feelings initially. You just activate your smile muscles. Now, you can practice this right now. Just smile and hold it. What's happening is the happy part of your brain is turning on, and it is crowding out negative emotions because our brain is not able to feel more than one feeling at a time at the moment that we feel it. At the precise moment you feel that feeling, you cannot feel anything else. And so if you do something like activate your smile muscles as the trigger to start it and you stay there with it, keep your your muscles activated in the smile, it will stay there and the negative emotions are crowded out. So you can do it. And I suggest that you do it every day, many times a day. Simply activate your smile muscles. I have had many, many experiences of where I just made myself smile and I held it there and my mood changed. Hmm. I will have to give that one a try. I call it the secret of smiling. Now, here's one other emotional resilience secret. So you need to have three to one positive emotions and they're just little positive emotions, like practicing a little gratitude, like looking forward to something like thinking a positive thought about something, someone you care about, that will trigger a positive emotion, right? The secret of smiling, that's the second big category. And the third big category is we need to feel our positive emotions for 10 seconds. Oh. If you feel a good emotion for 10 seconds, it sticks in your brain. And if you keep doing that throughout your life, those neurons that stick in your brain begin to wire together to create a positive neural pathway. And so when life happens and you have that positive neural pathway, you're more likely to be emotionally resilient through the situations that you face. So when you feel a good feeling, feel it and hold it for 10 seconds. I mean, we can even do that right now. I'm going to invite the listeners to think of something you're grateful for, and we're going to hold it for 10 seconds. Okay, ready? Yeah. Set, go. Okay. All right. That's stuck. It's in your brain. Now, let's say you do that again 10 minutes from now. Those two neurons will fire together in your brain, and then they'll begin to wire together. You'll be continuing to do that. You know, think about when you watch something funny on YouTube. You laugh and smile for longer than 10 seconds. And so those neurons are piling on. And you just want to keep piling on and piling on. Emotional resilience is all about encouraging those positive emotions, being aware when they happen. Sometimes we just miss them, you know? Yeah. Not paying attention. Well, I like that visual image of the neurons kind of connecting. That's, that's a good one to remember. Yeah. All right. How about we move on to the fourth type of resilience, and that is social resilience. Okay. Social resilience is about your social support network. It's about the people in your life. The really astounding bit of scientific evidence on social resilience is social resilience or social support is the strongest predictor of longevity. That means if you have a lot of support in your life, you're going to live longer. 
and it is a stronger predictor of your living longer, then heart disease is a predictor that you're going to live shorter or that cigarette smoking is a predictor that you're going to live shorter. Social resilience predicts longevity better than anything. And so it's all about receiving support from others, giving support to others, just being with others. And being with others can be texting with others, emailing people, talking to them on the phone, like I talked about my dad, FaceTiming with him, Zooming. All of those things are social connection. Writing yeah, so it doesn't a letter. Have, so it doesn't have to be face-to-face is what no, you're saying. No, yeah. no, it yeah. does not. I've been teaching people that since COVID started. A lot of people have told me, oh, you know, I'm not socially resilient because I'm not with people. You know, I've talked with people genuinely who are struggling with that. Yeah, the extroverts, I would guess, have a harder time with this right now. <laughs> um, you know, interesting, people who, uh, you've met people who are kind of quiet in everyday life, but when you text them, they have a lot to say. <laughs> I've had a lot of people like that. Yeah. And it's really delightful to find a way. Uh, my best friend is more introverted than I am. I wouldn't call him an introvert, but he communicates eloquently via text. And our text exchanges are quite meaningful. So I, I've been telling people, find a way in the midst of this pandemic, how you best socially connect with people and then do that. Now, another overriding thing I want folks to walk away from when it comes to social resilience is that we receive help from others and we give help to others. That is social resilience. A nurse told me one time when I was doing a training with some nurses, she said one of the groups of people that are part of her social support network are her patients. I thought that was interesting. And she wasn't talking about any particular patient. She was talking about I have patients in my life, and they, they have a little niche in my life, in my social resilience life, that they bring meaning and purpose. They're important people to me. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I would say I've done many, many trainings in resilience. I've gotten in front of many tens of thousands of people. I think the last count was about almost 14,000 people I've done training with. They are an important part of my life. And when I retire and I no longer do it with that frequency, I'll need to find some way to fill that gap. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So being with people, helping others is a really important part of social resilience. The science of helping people is the science of altruism. People who are altruistic, that is, who give to others without expectation of anything in return. People who are altruistic, they live longer. They're physically healthier. Yeah. So giving to others has a clear benefit. Now, when you need help from others, don't be afraid to ask for help, because when you ask for help from somebody, you are giving them an opportunity to be socially resilient. Ah, that's kind of cool. You know, yeah. Okay. And some people yeah. are reluctant to ask a favor, but go ahead, ask it. I don't know about you, Heather, but I love doing favors for people. I love yeah, helping I do out. Too. Yeah, I do too. So we should I'm kind all. Of a, I'm kind of a helper, so I like that too. You know, we all like to help, but we all need to ask for help, right? Yeah, that's true. I, I probably need to be better on that part of it. So I'll do what you say that that's an opportunity for somebody else to be a little more socially resilient. Yeah, 
There you go. Okay. How about we go into the last type of resilience, the fifth one. So this is called everyday creativity, and that sounds really fun. Please share with our listeners what this type of resilience is and how we can build it. Everyday creativity with a focus on everyday, like average everyday. You know, you use the term everyday for something that sounds like, oh, we do it every day. Yeah. And creativity is not just about being an artist or a musician, you know, something like that. Really, it's about the everyday things that we do that are the ways that we express ourselves. You know, each one of us is a unique person on this planet, and each one of us expresses that uniqueness every day in some way from the clothes we choose to wear, to the food we choose to cook, hobbies, how we solve problems. Let's say you uh, love to exercise. You're using creativity to create an exercise plan. Let's say you like to go uh, biking. You decide what route you're going to bicycle. That's an act of creativity. Let's say you like to bake. That's definitely creative. Mm-hmm. Things like hobbies, interests, How you clean the house is an act of creativity. Do-it-yourself projects, definitely, for people who do woodworking, all of those kinds of things. Home improvement projects, like just keeping up on things. Some people are real handy around the house. Those are all creative acts. My wife used to like to do plumbing, and she would, we'd have a little, you know, minor plumbing problem that you don't have to call a plumber for, and she loved doing those. Really? Yeah, she would... She has a favorite hardware store, and she would take a photo on her phone of the problem, and she'd go to the hardware store, and she would talk to the all the old guys who worked at the hardware store, who were all like retired plumbers, and she'd go talk to them about what does she need to fix this, and then she'd come home with her supplies, and she would look at a YouTube clip about how to fix it, and she had all the right supplies because she creatively consulted. So... Those guys at the hardware store were a part of her social support network also. And she fixed it. I was going to say, she's getting a lot of different types of uh, resilience in there. (laughs) Now, people who take that mindset, it's really like a mindset. How can I negotiate my life or move through my life in a creative way? Those people are practicing everyday creativity. And the science shows that those people are in the process of doing that. They're slowing their cognitive decline. So living your life in even the most simplest of terms as a creative person, you're slowing cognitive decline. That means when you get to the end of your life, you're going to have more of your brain left. I think that's a pretty good thing. Right, right. Absolutely. All right, Mike, for our listeners that would like to learn more, are there any books on resilience that you recommend? Well, there's a whole big body of work on this whole approach, and I will recommend three of them. Okay. The first one is called Super Better, and that's all one term, Super Better. And this is a great book on resilience and on using resilience to help you achieve goals. And the author's name is Jane McGonigal, M-C-G-O-N-I-G-A-L. And that is a wonderful, wonderful book. And then another book that really is a nice survey of all of the science on resilience and happiness is called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. Aker is spelled A-C-H-O-R. Both of those books are New York Times bestsellers. So I think that's a great place to start. 
One little thing to tell listeners is that when you buy a self-help book, make sure it's an evidence-based self-help book. Make sure that there's scientific references in the back of the book that show that science was used to come to the different activities and ideas that are outlined in the book. Okay. That's a very good point. Just so our listeners know, I will put those books in our show notes or description as well. Okay. Okay. And then how about any quotes on resilience that you like? Yeah, I have one and it comes from that book, Super Better, by that author, Jane McGonigal. And it really is pertinent to what we're doing with resilience. And she reminds people that you are stronger than you know, you are surrounded by potential allies, and you are the hero of your own story. I like that. That's very inspiring. Yes, it is. I've read that at some low points and benefit from that. I know where to find that quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have three that I really like. One is from Nelson Mandela. Uh-huh. And he says, the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Oh, so I like I that it. one. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And then there's another one by Gregory S. Williams. He's an author. He says, on the other side of a storm is the strength that comes from having navigated through it. Raise yeah. your sail and begin. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I like that too, because it's kind of like, you know, kind of a challenge right there, right? Yeah. And then the third one I like is from Sheryl Sandberg in her book that she wrote called Option B, Facing Adversity, Building Resilience, and Finding Joy. And she says, when one door of happiness closes, another opens. But mm -hmm. often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has been opened for us. Oh, Which I, I think is so true. You know? I can just say amen to that. So I'd like to leave the listener with these five components of resilience are things that you are already doing. So you are already resilient. You can become even more resilient. One of the ways to do it is just by focusing on these five components of resilience. And I would encourage you to make a list on a piece of paper, or if you keep a journal or notebook or calendar, just grab a page and write down physical, mental, emotional, social, and everyday creativity. And then put in underneath each one of those headings, the things that you do in your life already, okay? That's where your resilience is at. And the point of it is that do these all the time when you need to and when you don't need to. If you come on a tough time, Doing these things that you've written down will make a big difference. It'll build your resilience. Doing them every day anyway, whenever you think of it, is going to build your resilience. So when you hit that bump in the road, it's going to be easier to get over. And you're going to have these things that you've practiced that you can continue to do even as you're recovering from that tough bump in the road. Yeah, I like that. You know, one thing that was kind of sticking out at me because I'm a visual kind of learner is that you've mentioned these five different types of resilience. Well, we also have five fingers on our hand. Uh -huh. So since we take our hands with us everywhere, that might be a way for some people to remember it too. Ooh. If you can link each one of them to your finger and then thinking of how you can work that into your everyday life too. I don't know. That I might love it. stick That's in a little bit. That's just my way of maybe remembering it. You know, that idea is an example of 
listen to everybody because you're going to come up with an idea. You're going to hear ideas that you've never heard before. And I love that. I have been teaching this for the last seven years, and it never occurred to me that there are five components of resilience and five fingers on your hand. And <laughs> you can pick them. Yeah. Which one's going to be physical resilience? Which one's <laughs> mental? Excellent idea. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for being on this podcast episode and talking to us more about resilience. I mean, resilience is something, again, you said we all have, but I think it's something we can all learn to build even more of in our lives and practice in our everyday lives. You mentioned the five types of resilience to focus on each day, physical, mental, emotional, social, and everyday creativity. And thank you for giving us many ways to cultivate that resilience in each of these areas. As an added bonus, resilience fosters good health, which is what we are always encouraging here in the Karen Yance Cardiac Awareness Center. So thank you again, Mike, for being on this podcast. And thank you to all our wonderful listeners out there. Thank you for listening in. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, info, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.karenyancecenter.org. Like us on Facebook at Karen Center and follow us on Pinterest. If you like what you hear, subscribe and be sure to tell us. Until next time, be ruler of your own heart.